الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وحده لا شريك له ولا نظير له ولا ند له ولا ضد له ولا مثل له ولا مثال له ونشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وسندنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض أن تحبط أعمالكم أن تحبط أعمالكم وأنتم لا تشعرون صدق الله العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين My respected elders and brothers when we look at the life of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then one thing we will see very outstanding in the Mubarak life of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a very considerate person. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would be very considerate to everybody that is around him. Ummul Mu'mineen, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that when my husband, Hazrat Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, used to enter the house at night, it was after Isha, sometimes perhaps there was a program in the masjid, or perhaps uh, there was a mashwara in the masjid, and it was now a bit late, and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is entering the house. So that Aisha radiallahu anha says, that he would open the door so slowly, and he would close the door so slowly, that if somebody was sleeping in the house, that person would not be disturbed with the opening and the closing of the door. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would make salam in such a way, that she says if a person was sleeping, he would not hear the salam. And if a person was awake, he would hear the salam of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa That's how considerate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was, that they must not disturb the sleep of a sleeping person. When it came to little children, here again Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa expressed the highest level of consideration. Once Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa is performing the salah in the masjid, in Masjid Nabawi ala sahibiha salatu wa taslim, and whilst performing the salah, he hears the crying of a child. There is a child that's in a masjid and the child is crying. Perhaps the father is now in the saf and the child can't find his father and as a result of that worry or that anxiety, he starts crying. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa hears the crying of the child 
And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam immediately shortens his salah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shortens his salah out of consideration for this little crying child. First of all, to bring a child to the masjid under the age of seven is incorrect. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to stop the sahaba kiram and say, Jannibu masajidakum sibyanakum wa majaninakum. Don't bring little children to the masjid and don't bring mad people to the masjid. And the reason for this is quite obvious. The reason for this is quite obvious that a little child doesn't know the adab of the masjid. And when he doesn't know the adab of the masjid, he may make a din in the masjid thereby disturbing the salah of the musallis. So therefore Rasulullah wasallam instructed them to keep them at home. When they reach the age of understanding, around the age of seven, then you bring them to the masjid. And sometimes what happens is, we do it the opposite way. Little small children, we want to bring them to the masjid. And when they become baligh and they're supposed to be coming to the masjid, we don't bring them to the masjid. So here Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is hearing that child crying, and immediately he shortens his salah, and he completes that salah just out of consideration for this little child that he must find his father. Similarly, the sahaba kiram radiallahu anhum, the noble companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they say that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was extremely considerate to us. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very considerate to us. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he says, I was from the Ashabu Sufa. And he says, we had our corner where we used to be staying, we used to be learning. This was our madrasa where we used to be learning from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But of course the madrasa was not like a madrasa of today where they will have a boarding and a lodging facility. Days would pass and the sahaba would have absolutely nothing to eat. To eat. Hazrat Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu says at times we had to tie stones on our stomachs out of extreme hunger. But he says, but when we look at Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was so considerate towards us that if he got food, he would first pass the food on to us before eating himself. Hazrat Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu gives one occasion and he says, once there was a bowl of milk that came to him and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took that bowl he could have drank that milk up himself. He himself was hungry for so many days. But look at his consideration that I've got my sahaba in the masjid who are hungry, let me give them first. And he offers it to Abu Hurairah and he says, give it to all the ashabu sufa, let them drink. And then last we will drink. So the milk is offered to them. And then Hazrat Abu Hurairah comes and he says, I bring the whatever is left over to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He says, he could have drank it first. But he says, Abu Hurairah, you drink first. Again, consideration. Not selfish. A person is not selfish. He's not only thinking about himself. He's thinking first about others and last about himself. So Abu Hurairah says, I drank and I drank and I drank till I was filled. And then last, Nabi took the bowl and completed whatever little bit was left into the bowl. So that consideration for his sahaba kiram radiallahu anhu. When the villager comes in the masjid, he's a new Muslim. He doesn't know anything about Islam. He doesn't know anything about the masjid. He's just accepted Islam and he's coming into the masjid. He's got an urge to go to the toilet. He relieves himself in the masjid. In the masjid he relieves himself. The sahaba kiram radiallahu anhu up in arms. That how can a man relieve himself in the masjid? But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shows that high level of consideration. Just leave him. Just leave him. He's a new Muslim. He doesn't know the adab right now. Just leave him. Let him relieve himself, we'll wash that place later on, but we'll teach him also later on how he must conduct himself in a masjid. 
Again, that level of consideration. That a Muslim is considerate to others. He's very caring, he's very considerate to others. More than he worries about himself, he's concerned about others. In the fazail Ramadan, and we have maybe just about three months left for the Mubarak month of Ramadan, but we'll find in the fazail Ramadan, has a Shaykh al-Hadith, he writes there, that one of the adab of the month of Ramadan is, that you must be lenient to your Muslim workers. Because like you are fasting in a month of Ramadan, they are also fasting in a month of Ramadan. And like you get tired in a month of Ramadan, they also get tired in a month of Ramadan. So be lenient, be considerate to your Muslim staff. You will also want to go home early for iftar, and you also have tarawih salah to read, they also have to go home for iftar, and they also have to read tarawih salah. So here Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is teaching us that be considerate to your Muslim staff in a month of Ramadan. Over and over again in the pages of the Qur'an in the Hadith, we'll see this lesson of consideration coming up over and over again. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is walking towards uh, Baytul Maqdis. He's going to conquer Baytul Maqdis and with him is his slave. They have one camel and they are riding. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu is so considerate to his slave that he says to him that if I have to ride for one kilometer and you are walking then you will ride for one kilometer and I will walk. Now he could have had this attitude that I am the Amirul Mu'mineen and you are my slave, so you walk and I'll ride. But he didn't have this attitude. He had an attitude of consideration. That like you are walking and I am riding, then you will ride and I will walk. And eventually it happened such that as they were entering Baytul Maqdis, it was the turn for Amirul Mu'mineen to be walking and the slave to be riding. So we see that over and over again, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us this Mubarak lesson of being a considerate Muslim. In this ayat that was recited in the khutbah, Allah wa ta'ala mentions this verse in Surah Hujurat. Surah Hujurat, the word Hujurat means rooms. Rooms, the plural of Hujra. And Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam built some rooms for the azwaj mutahharat for the ummahatul mu'mineen. At times, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to rest there after the zuhar salah, what is known as siesta or qaylula. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would have a lengthy night. His night would be spent in the tahajjud salah, long, long rakats of tahajjud salah, crying and making dua for the ummah at night. So during the day after the Zuhar Salah, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to have a little rest in one of the rooms. So some villagers had come and they had some work with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So they came to one of these rooms where Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was resting and they started shouting out outside the rooms, Ya Muhammad, Ya Muhammad. Now it was a time when Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is resting. This was not appropriate for them to come there and wake him up from his sleep, knowing that Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is spending the entire night in tahajjud. They could have waited for him and then to address him with these words, Ya Muhammad is a sign of disrespect. So immediately Allah wa ta'ala revealed these verses of the Quran Kareem. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, la tarfa'u aswatakum fawqa sawtin nabi. O you who believe, don't ever raise your voice above the voice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. وَلَا تَجْهَرُوا لَهُ بِالْقَوْلِ كَجَهْرِ بَعْضِكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ أَن تَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالُكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ And don't speak to him like how you'll speak to yourselves. How you can speak to our friends. You can't speak to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like this. 
Similarly, a person when he speaks to his friends is a bit casual, but he's talking to his father, he can't speak to his father like how he speaks to his friends. He can't speak to his ustad like how he speaks to his friends. Why? Because there has to be a high level of respect. This is my ustad, this is my father, I have to respect him. I can't talk to him like how I talk to my friends. So here the Qur'an Sharif is teaching us these adab and these etiquettes. And at the end of this, Allah wa ta'ala says, it must not happen that because of your inconsiderate behavior, you lose the sawab and the reward of all your good actions. Now a person, he got engaged in ibadat, he read namaz, he performed salah, he recited Quran, he made zikrullah, he made dua, he recited durood sharif, he went for hajj, he went for umrah, he gave zakat, he gave charity, and he accumulated great amount of good deeds. But because of his inconsiderate behavior towards someone, he loses the reward of all of that. All of that is lost. Why? On account of him being inconsiderate to the next Muslim or to the next human being, he lost all his sawab. By means of example, a person, he saved up all his money. From the time he was a little child, he's spending money, he's eating money. And then as he grew up, he started working and he started saving and he kept it in an account. And thereafter, after many, many years, he got his pension. And that too was put into the account. And he knows for years I've been saving. And my money is all kept in this account. And one day when he comes to the ATM, and he puts his card inside, it shows him your balance is zero, 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 zero. This gives him a heart attack, a shock of his life, that I've done so much and I've saved so much. How is it that my account is now sitting on zero? Allah protect us, it must not be that a person accumulated so much of sawab and reward in this world. And when he reaches the akhirat, he sees there's nothing at all. Why? You've lost the sawab and the reward of all your good deeds and you don't even know about it. Why? On account of giving someone taklif, on account of hurting somebody, on account of not being considerate to the next person, a person lost the reward of all his good deeds. Hakimul Ummat Hazrat Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thanwi rahmatullahi used to be running the khanqa in Thanabowan. And Hazrat Mawlana, the theme of his khanqa used to be that uh, live your life in such a way that you don't cause any kind of taklif to any person. Live your life in such a way that you don't hurt anyone in any way. If somebody would come to the khanqa by Hazrat Mawlana Thanwi rahmatullahi and they would request to take bed at Hazrat Maulana's hands, or they would request for some zikr or wazifa. So Hazrat Maulana used to say to them, I'll give you no zikr, no wazifa to read. You first write a list of all the people who you hurt, who you swore, who you did, did them down. If there's somebody who you're owing money to, if there's some inheritance of your fathers that you haven't yet wound up, and you haven't paid your sisters off that inheritance, draw a list of all of that, go sort all that out first, and then come here. Then perhaps I may give you some zikr. But right now, you go and sort all of this. I go ask mafi from everybody who you hurt, and everybody who you cause some taklif to. So this was Hazrat Mawlana's the theme of his, of his khanqa. He used to say also, he used to say, agar tum wali banna ho, buzurg banna ho, Sheikh banna ho, abdal banna ho, ghos banna ho, to kahi aur ja ke bano. If you want to become one buzruk or one sheikh or one hazrat, then you rather go somewhere else and become that. Lekin agar tum insan banna ho, to yahi aajau. But if you want to become insan, you want to become a good person, a good human being, then you come here, I'll teach you how to become a good human being. Hazrat ji, maulana masiullah khan sahab rahmatullah ali, used to say it a little differently. Hazrat ji rahmatullah ali used to say, ke... Hafiz banna asan hai. 
مولوی بننا آسان ہے مفتی بننا آسان ہے شیخ الحدیث بھی بننا آسان ہے لیکن انسان بننا مشکل ویری ایزی ٹو بیکم حافظ صاحب مولانا مفتی صاحب شیخ الحدیث آلسو ویری ایزی ویری ہارڈ ٹو بیکم انسان اینڈ انسان از ہو از دیٹ پرسن ہو لوز ہز لائف ان سچ اے وے دیٹ ہی ڈزن کوز اینی کائنڈ آف تکلیف اور ڈفیکلٹی اور ہارڈ شپ ٹو اینی بڈی دیز ون انسیڈنٹ اباؤٹ حضرت مولانا شفر تھانوی رحمۃ اللہ علیہ دیٹ ان ہز ایڈوانس ایج when Marana was very, very sick at night, as we know in India, the toilets are outside, they'll have a compound, and many people will be sleeping, and there'll be a toilet outside, so at night, Hazrat Marana needed to relieve himself, so he came out of his room, went to the pump, took the water, and then went to the toilet, relieved himself, and as he was coming out of the toilet, he felt a bit dizzy, and in that dizzy spell, he fainted and he collapsed on the ground. When his eyes opened up, he realized what happened. And in that condition, he crawled on his foes till he came to his room and jumped into his bed. And just as Malana jumped into his bed, the thought came to his mind that lota that you took from the pump, you never put it back in its place. From there, he jumped out of his bed again, crawled till he found that lota and left it there. In case somebody else wakes up and needs to go to the toilet, There must be no taklif caused to them in any way, no harm caused to them in any way. He'll find the lota back in its place. So this was the consideration that Hazrat Maulana used to teach. That a Muslim must be such that he doesn't cause any kind of difficulty or hardship to anyone. Now when we look in the hadith of Rasulullah wasallam, we'll find many examples like this. One day, one person came and he brought a whole tray of dates, kajur, and he left it in front of Rasulullah wasallam. So one person came and he sat there. There were a few people sitting there. He took a whole handful of dates and he pulled it towards himself to eat. So Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stopped him. And he said, see there's many people sitting here. This is very inconsiderate of you to take so many and keep it by. You take one and eat. And afterwards when you finish eat one, you may take a second one. But don't take a whole lot like this. This is very inconsiderate of you to do such. This, these kind of adab and etiquettes we have to teach to our children as well. Now... We went for a dawat, for example, and there was a platter with uh, five pieces of chops on it. And there's five people sitting there. We can't dish out three in our plate, because there's more people there. We have to be considerate to the people that are there with us. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is teaching us this lesson of consideration. Similarly, in one hadith, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Al-Ariyatu Mu'addatun. You borrow something, return it. You borrow something. A lot of times we'll borrow something from somebody, And we never have the tawfiq to return it to that person. Ask a person who can't find his tools when he needs to use it. He's doing a project at home and he's got the last nail to knock in the coffin but he can't find his hammer because his inconsiderate neighbor took the hammer and never returned it to him. Ask a Molana who needs to give a bayan tomorrow and he can't find his kitab. He can't find his kitab because somebody borrowed his kitab and never gave his kitab back. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us Al-ariyatu mu'addat When you borrow something, return it Why keep it by you? How many times it's a tupperware, it's a pot, it's a utensil, it's a tool, it's a kit Whatever we borrowed it, we never returned it It must be returned, this is consideration Again, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us Person walks into his house on a hot day He comes to the fridge, he takes out a bottle of cold water And he pours it in a glass and on a hot day he enjoys that cold water He enjoys drinking that cold water there. Alhamdulillah, it comes out from the bottom of his heart. He's so happy he drank that cold water. But consideration will demand 
that he fills that water up again and put it back in the fridge. Otherwise, the next person that comes an hour or two later will not be able to enjoy that cold water like how he enjoyed it because he was not considerate enough to fill the water and put it back into the fridge. So these are all lessons of consideration that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has taught us. When we were in Madrasa, our principal, Hazrat Mufti Saab Dhamad Barakatum, used to teach us that you're in a madrasa now, you're using the toilets. So in using the toilets, be considerate for the next person who's coming. It's a public toilet. So leave it, his words used to be, leave it more clean and more crisp than how you found it. Let it be more clean and more crisp than how you found it. A person is going for Umrah, and he needs to read namaz on the plane. It's the time for salah, he has to read his salah on the plane. He can't be going for nafil umrah and leaving out his faraz namaz. So he has to read his salah. And he perhaps has to make wuzu in the plane. So use the toilet and make your wuzu in such a way that after you've completed, you wipe it up in such a way so clean and so crisp that the next person or the next passenger that comes to use the toilet, he finds that the toilet is sparkling clean also. He doesn't point a finger at the Muslims to say that these Muslims are now messing our toilets up here in the plane. Consideration demands from us that we keep it clean. So like they said, there's so many examples that we have learned from our Buzugani deen and our elders. One is the masjid. Every day we come to the masjid, we use the facility of the masjid. Starting from the parking lot. When a person parks his car, he must be considerate enough to park it in such a way that he doesn't take two parking bays. He'll park it such, use his mind and his understanding and park it in such a way that he doesn't occupy two parking bays for his one car. He's considerate for the other musallis. And then he parks his car in such a way that he doesn't block another musalli or park in somebody's driveway. Hazrat Mawlana Yunus Patel sahab rahmatullah in the Melanson Road Masjid used to make this announcement over and over again. Please brothers, be careful about how you park your car. Don't park in somebody's driveway. Once there was a janazah in the Melanson Road Masjid and one of our ustads was going for the janazah. Sometimes if it's a famous person who passes away, then the janazah is quite huge. Many people will come for the janazah. So you see, somebody parked into someone's driveway and he's gone for the janazah salah. And he says, I'll never forget, it was a Hindu man, he's standing there by his gate and he needs to reverse out of it, but some, mus- some musalli parked in his driveway. And he says, I can still picture this man, he's twisting his arms like this and he's saying, so inconsiderate, so inconsiderate. The man parked right in my driveway. Now he could have needed to perhaps go for some important appointment. There may have been a woman who is about to give birth. Or there's a person who just got a heart attack, we need to rush him to the hospital. But because this person is in a masjid, and he's thinking he's getting sawab for the janazah salah he's reading, be rest assured, he gets absolutely no sawab and reward. In fact, he'll get guna and sin for parking and blocking somebody's driveway. So to be considerate about how we park our cars. Then when we come into the masjid, putting our shoes on the rack. In one masjid I went, they got a sign there by the shoe rack, please bend your back and put the shoes on the rack. Why? Because some inconsiderate person will keep his shoes there in the front. If one old musalli is walking past, he may trip over the shoes and fall. So let's just take it, put it on the rack neatly. Then coming into the masjid, where we find a place to stand in the first surf is the greatest amount of sawab and reward. But to push yourself in the first surf is no sawab and reward. Sometimes a person is coming late to the masjid. He's coming late to the masjid, he's jumping over all the surfs. Jumping over all the serfs, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam prohibited this clearly in the hadith, especially on the day of Jummah. That wherever you find a place, then sit in that place. Don't jump over people's shoulders and come into the first serf. Sometimes the first serf, 
we can see there's a small gap. Small gap enough to fit maybe like a three-quarter size person. And if you can see you like a double-sized person, don't push yourself inside that gap. You're just going to cause taklif to the whole stuff that is there. So be considerate about how we conduct ourselves in the masjid. Similarly, visiting people, when you're going to visit somebody, visiting the sick person, visiting a sick person is a great, great reward, it's a great ibadah. But visit him at a time that's suitable for him, not at a time that's suitable for you. It may be suitable for you to visit him, but just pick up the phone and find out what's a suitable time for him that you can come and visit him. So in this way, you will be causing taklif to the sick person as well. My respected elders and brothers, there are many, many examples like this. Sometimes you'll find in a month of Ramadan, normally in our masajid, mashallah, a tikaf is taking place. And there's many, many people sitting for a tikaf. Sometimes our masjids are all full, alhamdulillah, with musallis and mu'takifin. And now one person in a masjid, he wants to wake up in the early hours of the morning and read his tahajjud salah. And there may be 50, 100 people sleeping in a masjid, and he put his alarm clock on for half past one, because he wants to wake up early and read his tahajjud. And his alarm clock is ringing, and it's ringing, and it's ringing. And the whole masjid wakes up, and Hazrat is fast asleep over here. He can't wake up, he's caused taklif to the whole masjid, spoiled everyone's sleep. Why on account of this? We have to be very, very careful, very, very considerate. It mustn't be that because of our inconsiderate behavior, we lose the sawab and the reward of our good actions. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to make amal and to practice. We should uh, at least try and make this intention. Try and make this intention that I live my life in such a way that I'll be considerate to everybody around us, whether it's my wife, whether it's my children, whether it's my neighbors, whether it's the musallis in a masjid, whether it's the workers in the, in the shop, wherever it may be, I live my life in such a way that I will not cause any kind of harm or taklif to any single person. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq wa akhiru dawana. Alhamdulillah.